facing with, Lord, we thank you that you are above that. And, Lord, we just submit to you. We thank you, Lord, that you're able to supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Thank you, Lord, that you order our steps. We thank you, Lord, that all is well with our house. And we give you praise for it. We give you glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me make um, one corrective uh, note here. Um, um, over in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. I was putting together the praise and worship so quickly I did not delete one song that uh, has a problem. Everything is fine except where it says in uh that God is incredible, that God is incredible. And uh, so we, we labor to make sure that all the songs are accurate with the scriptures. But the word incredible means that you are a person that doesn't have credit, <laughs> that you're not trustworthy. That's mean, it means to be unbelievable. That's what the word incredible literally means. And how many of you know God is not incredible? And so this is something that we got to make sure we don't put into our vocabulary. You hear people say all the time, well, God is incredible. Well, he's not incredible. The Bible says over in uh, Isaiah 55 and verse number 10, it says, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will or it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Our God is a credible God. He abodeth all things by the word of his power. And so it's important that even when we are singing songs, Christian songs, that we need to start looking at them and say, does that match the word? Are we allowing that to get on the inside of our hearts? It might have a wonderful beat, wonderful rhythm and everything, but if it doesn't match the book, then it's not of God. And, uh, you, you know, somebody said, well, that's being nitpicky. No, no, that's being scriptural. And so that's the reason why certain songs are not sung here. And certain songs we don't put into our, our bait, our, our database. And uh, when it's time, when the time comes, when we start singing certain songs live, we're going to look at it to make sure it matches the book. Because we want to make sure that we do things in line with the book. Therefore, we are a bibliocentric church. Amen, amen, and amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started this morning. Let's get started this morning. The training center is a family church commissioned to evangelize the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, ministering to the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. Through the ministry of the work, practical applications, we train believers to become mature biblical leaders, equipped to minister the heart of God to their generation, thereby living intentional lives of purpose. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus. Lord, we honor you and we bless you for this opportunity to get into your word on this morning. Lord, we pray let revelation knowledge flow freely, unchecked and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. For I pray, Lord, that you would indeed speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind. I pray, Lord, none of me and all of you. Thank you, Lord, in advance for the articulation of your heart for word in due season. 
Holy Spirit, you are indeed welcome to tailor this message for everyone that is hearing it. Versus both those here that are here live and those that we hear by way of recording. We thank you, Lord, for our own message in word in due season. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone did say amen. Let's make this confession of our faith. Say, Father, Father I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding from your holy word. And I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. Amen, amen, and amen. So we've been talking over the last little while here about how we hear from God. How we hear from God and we have understood and understand that it's important, particularly in the days that we live in, that we hear from God. There are so many different voices. There are so many different influences in our lives. And one of the things, one of the reasons why I was assigned this particular message is because we got to make sure that the greatest influence in our life should be God. The greatest influence in our life should be that of our king for we live in a kingdom so his ways his methods his voice should echo the loudest on the inside of us it should echo the loudest inside of our very lives and we've got to make sure that we have the proper discernment in regards to that as that we are hearing from God and not hearing a distortion or something that's not knitted or rooted to the book and so we've been talking about how we hear from God at this particular uh, point in our teaching. And we've been looking at the inward witness. And we've said that when we believe that God is leading you in a certain direction, when we believe God is leading us in a certain way, there are certain things that we can do that we can check to make sure that we're being led of the spirit of God. Whether or not this leading that's in our spirit is from God or not. The first area we indicated to you is that we have to check our motives. Second area is we have to check our root of love, which has everything to do with our vertical relationship with God. The third, the, uh, the third area we said is you got to check, does this leading require faith? The fourth area is we have to check whether or not this leading, this thing that God, that you feel like God is leading you to, will bring life to a situation or a circumstance. And then we are now into this fifth area where we're looking at accessing or assessing the risk reward, assessing the risk reward. Now, I put all these things kind of separate, but in reality, you know, these are the things that I do on a regular basis when I'm believing that God is leading me in a certain direction. These are the check marks in my own personal life that I'm teaching you that, that I go through when I'm like, well, I feel like God is leading me in this direction. I feel like God is leading me in that direction. I feel like God's leading our family in this direction. These are some of the things that you can just basically do in your own life to check yourself. Is that God or is it not? And so when we get to this area, as we've been speaking on this, assessing our risk rewards, we're going to get into some of the areas of the practical applications of this check of your spirit as to whether or not you're being led by God or not. Or what level am I in regards to being led by the spirit of God? And so we looked on Thursday night at Proverbs chapter three and verse five. 
And that's where we're going to start this morning. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, familiar passage of scripture. It says, out of the King James Version of the Bible, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. He says, trust in the Lord. And that's a powerful statement in and of itself. It says, put your trust in God. And then it gives you a comparative analysis and not to your own understanding. Lean not to your own understanding. The word lean there literally means rely. It means rest on self. It means to stay. So he says, and rely not unto thy own understanding. Rest not on your own self or your own limited interpretation of the things in your life. He says, verse number six, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. The Amplified Version of the Bible says, trust in and rely confidently. Ooh, that's interesting. Rely confidently on the Lord. He says, trust in him, but rely confidently on him. The word confidence indicates a level of relationship with God. He says, with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. He doesn't say you shouldn't have some insights. He doesn't say you shouldn't have understanding. But he says, essentially, don't allow your insights and your understanding to be the final authority. He says, allow the trust and the confidence you have in God to be the final authority. Verse number six says, in all your ways. Know and acknowledge and recognize him. Everything that I do, God, I know you and I acknowledge you. In all, I know your ways. I know your voice. You said that you would indeed lead my life because I'm supposed to hear from you. I take the time and the moment every day to acknowledge you, God, and recognize you, God. And he says, and he will make your path straight and smooth. How or when does he rather make my ways, my path straight and smooth when I acknowledge him and I recognize him? One of the things you'll understand about God is that God is not going to just boss you around. He's not going to push you to do anything. He has to be invited into your life to acknowledge him in all of your ways, to recognize him in all of your ways. It has everything to do with you saying, God, I recognize that you are Lord and I am not. I recognize you are God and I am not. And I choose to submit to you, God. He will make your path straight and smooth. Now notice the Amplified says removing obstacles that block your way. He will do this. He will do this when you acknowledge him. He will do this when you recognize him. But we have to see the opposite then. If you don't acknowledge him, if you don't recognize him, then he does not authorize to remove obstacles that block your way. He's not, he's not authorized to make your path smooth. Why is he not authorized to remove block obstacles? Why is he not authorized to remove or to make your path smooth? Let's look over if you will, back over to Psalms 37 and verse 23. Psalms 27, I mean 37 
and verse 23. Why? He says, I'll make your way smooth. I'll remove the obstacles in your life. He says, but it comes about when you acknowledge me and recognize me. Why? Because when you acknowledge me and you recognize me, the scripture says in verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his ways. So the steps of a good man, well, that good man that he has to be talking about has to be a person that acknowledges God. He has to be a person that puts God first and not last or in the center of when you've already made a predetermined decision. The reason why God is able to authorize or make smooth paths for you, removing obstacles for you, I submit to you one of the ways he removes obstacles in your way is by placing on your life this thing called favor. Where the favor of God rests on your life, it begins to give you favor and influence with things and people that you wouldn't have otherwise. God is authorized to do this when he says you acknowledge him. Then he says, okay, when you start acknowledging me, then I am, am now authorized to order your steps. He delights in his ways. The New Living Translation says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. And he delights in every detail of their lives. The word order, as we've indicated to you in the past, means he establishes them. It means he sets them up. It means he arranges them and he prepares them. So the person that acknowledges God in all of their ways is becoming the godly person or the good person. And God says, for that particular person, because I'm the one that's going to authorize their way, I'm going to establish their steps. I am going to set up their steps. I'm going to arrange their steps because they got the order right. And verse 24 says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hands. Though he fall, the Amplified says, though he stumble. And there are some times in your life when you are attempting to follow God, yeah, you stumble around a little bit. My God, and this is where we're talking about in when I believe God's leading me in a certain direction. Yeah, sometimes as you're beginning in this process and learning how to hear God's voice, learning how to lead, be led by the Spirit, learning whether or not this is God leading me in this direction or not, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a stumble. In the beginning, yeah, you don't, God, and this is one of the reasons why this is part of the assignment a lot of people like to take, again, these large leaps, and they haven't mastered the small steps. God said, send, go to Africa. Well, did he say go to Africa, or did he say send money to Africa? God told me to do this great and mighty, wonderful thing, but you haven't mastered the, the basic level of knowing God's voice. And in the beginning, there is some stumble. There is some stumble where, where yeah, I think he said this, but I'm not sure. I think he's leading me in this direction, but I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of stumbling around at this thing, learning his voice, learning his leadings. And God says, though they stumble, they will never fall. So even though I might be stumbling, trying to, to recognize, yeah, this is God leading me in this direction. Yeah, God's led me, I feel like, to this particular person to deal with this particular issue. And you might get over there and you find out, well, it don't seem like the Lord led you at all. <laughs> I'm stumbling through these things. God says that person that's willing to take the risk will never fall. He says they will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. God's leading you in your life, showing you how to develop 
confidence in regards to his leading. Now, let's look over here. We've indicated to you in this risk-reward assessment, we have to understand how we're using the term. The word risk is something that might be caused or might cause difficulty, loss, or damage. Difficulty might cause difficulty, loss, or damage. So when I feel like God's leading me in a certain direction, the risk area is, yeah, this might cause some difficulty for me. It might cause some, uh, me to be uncomfortable, perhaps in a situation. Again, if God's leading you, maybe, because I remember uh, back in the day, I remember um, just, I don't know, every, every time I'm teaching here, I think about my Shaw days. I remember when I was at Shaw, I, w- I went upstairs one time in the student union, and there was a young man, he was, he was sitting by himself in the corner. And uh, I don't always go up and start conversation. But I went over there and just started talking to the brother because I felt like the Lord led me to talk to him. Well, in the course of time, we became decent friends, you know, and got to know each other. And nothing uh, spectacular happened, but we did form a relationship. And I remember that particular day, one of the things God was showing me is sometimes the little leadings have everything to do with building relationships for what I'm doing in his life. So that, yeah, you might not see anything that's spectacular, but the fact that you are a friend to somebody may open the door for somebody else to be able to minister to them in the future, even if it's not you. You know, our leading sometimes, again, is sometimes we look for the big spectacular things when God is showing us how to take the small steps and they are not spectacular, but they are supernatural. When we're talking in terms of them being supernatural, they are God-backed. Anything God leads you into, he's going to back it. That is him upholding you by the hand, even though it might not merit or glean a big spectacular thing. Because we love those stories where God led us over here and this big spectacular thing happened. But, you know, there's so many ways where God leads us and he directs us and it's so subtle. That if you are not careful, that you'll, you'll miss the fact of how God is supernaturally directing and ordering your steps, looking and seeking after this big spectacular thing. When we talk about a risk, it is something that might cause damage, loss, or uh, damage, difficulty, loss, or damage. Is it difficult sometimes when God leads you in a certain direction? Yeah, because there are circumstances where, yeah, it's going to challenge you. It may cost you some money. It may cost you a damage of your reputation. I remember another situation in my life when I was back in school that I befriended a young man that, you know, he wasn't exactly uh, what we call the class popularity king. And at the time, you know, I mean, I, you know, people were making fun of, of this gentleman and everything and, and all these kind of things. But, but the Lord led me to just, just be nice and just be a friend and all these kind of things. And we, again, we developed a relationship. What did it cost me in the sense? It cost me a, the damage to maybe a reputation that my, I might have wanted, you know, a level of popularity. Being nice to people sometimes does cost you in your area of popularity because the crowd is acting this way, but God is leading you that way. The question is who you're going to listen to, who you're going to be led by. The risk reward, well, the reward has everything to do with something that's given in exchange for the useful idea, behavior, or excellent work. So when I am led by the Spirit of God and God is the one that's leading me, he's the one that's going to reward me. 
when I'm being led by my flesh, then I can expect the reward of my flesh. What the Bible says is called corruption. When I'm being led of the spirit, when I decide to, yeah, I'm going to take this risk and step out and do what God's called me to do. Then God says, I am taking notice of this thing that you are doing and no good work goes unnoticed by me. Now, let's look at this. The area of risk and reward has everything to do with this root called relationship. This root called relationship. When God's calling you to something, it's always going to seem more like a risk based on how you see God. It's always going to be, man, I might lose something based on how I perceive God. It's no different than if I, in the natural, if I'm telling you, listen, I want you to meet me at my house at two o'clock and we're going to go get some ice cream together. Well, based on the relationship that we have, you will have confidence as to whether or not I'm really going to be at my house at two o'clock and whether or not we're really going to use my money to go get the ice cream. If you show up at my house, and I've said this in the past, and I'm not there because I'm at work and I, I never had intended to show up, and then you don't get the ice cream, and you say, well, now listen, you know, he, he don't really keep his word. He's incredible. And so when you start seeing that, now I don't have the same confidence in regards to showing up based on your word because this is a bigger risk to me because you've proven yourself to be unfaithful or have a level of fidelity to your word. God says that relationship, now watch this, has everything to do with the risk. The relationship to risk is connected to your relationship with him. When God leads you in a certain direction, you believe him based on what you know about him. You believe that he'll do what he said he will do based on your level or your relationship to faith. The connectivity to trusting the Lord with all of your heart has everything to do with whether or not you genuinely do trust him. That is the connection to the risk element. And we said in the past that relationships are always built on time plus trust. Time plus trust. Time, therefore, we said, is an indicator of your heart. Where I give my time. Where I spend my time. What I spend my time with indicates what I genuinely value. The reason why we have, we, I continue to say this in this particular portion of our teaching, when people say, I'm coming to church, but they never make it to church, it's because you don't really value going to church, thus you don't value putting the time in at church. It's not a value to you. When you say, God, I, I love you with all of my heart, but you never spend any time in prayer with him, never spend any time in the word with him, the reality is your actions are displaying through your time that that's not genuinely a value to you. It's not. Time is an indicator of your heart. Time also displays, <clears throat> thus displays what you value, and time therefore grants you experience. When I spend the time with something, I begin to show my value for it, and I begin to gain experiences with that particular thing, or in this, in this context, with God. 
I spend enough time with him, I begin to know his voice. I spend enough time with him, I begin to know how his character is because I see it in his word. I spend enough time with him, then it begins to change my heart because I begin to have experiences with God. My experiences, therefore, develop trust. You can't have trust without these areas of experience. And then resulting, this trust, experience develops trust, resulting in assurances. Assurances is therefore connected to my conviction level. If I don't have any conviction where God is concerned, we got to look at why don't I have any assurances? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It is the other word. The word pistis also means assurances, and it also means conviction. Conviction comes from spending time with God, developing trust, having experiences so that you can move to an area of conviction. I know God will. I know he's going to do this. I know he's going to operate this way. And the more conviction I have, the more my conviction begins to rise, then the area of risk begins to become minimized in my life because I know what my God will do. What is conviction? It is the notion of being sure of what you believe is true. When you feel like God's leading you in a certain direction, in the beginning, man, you that's that's the stumble part. I'm not sure. I, Lord, I hope so. I hope it's right. But I'm not sure. You're stepping out, and we call that in essence, yeah, I'm taking this step of faith. But as you develop on these different steps of your life, your conviction should grow. Your development should be. I am growing in my confidence in regards to God and his word. Conviction is also the notion of being certain. It is the notion, I'm certain that he's going to do this because I've had the experiences with him. I've had the experiences that have gleaned confidence or I begin to develop in this area of trust. Because I have this area of trust, I have assurances, and these assurances are what builds this conviction on the inside of me. Let's look at James chapter 1 and verse number 8. James chapter 1 and verse number 8. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's unstable in all of his ways. The Amplified says being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. Everything he thinks, feels, or decides. One of the things that the Lord began just ministering to me on this week is the reality of the fact that yes we should be developing in our steps this means that yes I should be believing God further this year than I was last year I should be developing further beyond where I currently am I should have a notion to reach further to believe God more than I have previously in the past in the beginning, when you start believing that God is leading you in a certain direction, yeah, in the beginning, I'm like, yeah, you do stumble a little bit, but now this should not be forever. You should be developing in your confidence with God, your conviction for his word, because I have been spending the time getting experiences so that I can develop in this trust. 
God in the beginning tolerates, it's an amazing thing, a level of double-mindedness because you haven't had your mind renewed. You don't know. You don't know what God's going to do because you haven't seen it yet. So there's a level of, yeah, I believe the Lord is leading me in this direction, but I've not had the experiences with God in this area yet. So yeah, there's a little bit of, yeah, okay, we're going to do this. I'm going to walk a little bit, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm stepping, but I'm not. I'm stepping, but I'm not. Eventually, though, you're going to have to learn how to make this step and make it securely. In the beginning, when we look at the book of uh, Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham, listen, you follow me. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do all these kind of things. And, and then we flip over to chapter 15. We see he say, he say, Lord, but, but I still am childless. What is that? A stumble. There's an area where he, he's prospering in chapter 13. There's an area where God shows him he can protect him in chapter 14, but he's still struggling with this main thing. But he's developed a level of confidence because he's taken the steps. In the beginning, yeah, the risk is always great because the relationship is minimum. When I'm getting to know you, I take little steps because I'm get, we're getting to know each other. I don't know you like that. And a lot of people, you don't know God like that yet. So I'm taking, don't, 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 don't make these massive steps. Take the little steps so you can develop in confidence. Yeah, God do me here. He'll take care of me here. God will take care of me in this area here. As you take those little steps, this is what moves you out of this position of being double-minded. There's some things we got to look at. What can I believe God for? You should know this. When we talk in terms of an area of your conviction, we always should ask ourselves, what can I believe God for? Where is my confidence in God and his word? Is it real? Is it authentic? Or is it just religious? What is your conviction about God, your relationship with God and his word? Is this something that's genuinely important to me? Is it something that governs my life or is it just a religious thing that I do? Now watch this. Your word level determines your knowledge level. Your word level determines your knowledge level. And your knowledge level determines your ability. Well, if I don't have any word level, I don't have any knowledge. The reason why I can't change in my behavior is because I don't know no better. So it determines my knowledge level, but my knowledge level therefore determines my ability. What is ability? It is competence in doing something. It is skill. It is the aptitude to acquire proficiency. My knowledge level determines my ability, my skill set, as to this relationship with, between me and God. If I don't know any better, if I don't have any word level, then I have nothing in order to grow with. I can never have greater abilities in the kingdom of God because I don't know nothing. And this is the reason why the devil fights so hard against the teaching of the word. He doesn't mind you hearing all the other cotton candy stuff. But when you are taught the word of God, see, now you're becoming an issue because now your word level begins to grow. Your knowledge level begins to grow. And then you're going to begin getting experiences that increase your skill levels. And now I know God will. Your ability is connected to your righteous response. So my word level determines my knowledge level. My knowledge level determines my ability. And my ability is what? My ability is the righteous response in and of life. 
has everything to do with my behavior, which is always connected back to my value system, which is always connected back to the time that I put in with God. And your righteous response, therefore, is I is something that, in other words, that God can back. That's why he upholds you with his hand. Your righteous response is something that God says, oh, yeah, I'm getting, I can get a, be a part of that. I can be a part of what they're doing because I'm ordering and I'm arranging them steps. When they value me, I'm, I'm the one that placing them in the position so that they can grow out the experiences. And then they are able to gain abilities, which is skill set, so that they move into this area of confidence. And now I can start deploying them for my kingdom instead of them simply being church people that sit and don't do anything. Now, let's look at this. The opposite of conviction, since we spent so much time talking about conviction, the opposite of conviction is, let's look at this list of words, is disbelief. Disbelief. Well, what is disbelief? When I believe something different. Another word that's used as the opposite of conviction is uncertainty. It is distrust. It is hesitation. And then it's also doubt and it's also unbelief. So a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What does that mean? That it means I am fleeting between going and not. I'm fleeting between moving and staying. I can never be trusted by God beyond a certain level if I don't start spending the time with him, developing with him, so that I can make this proper Step. Let's look over here at Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, and we're going to close here. Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. This is Jesus speaking. He says, and Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is, watch the term, fit for the kingdom of God. No man, he says, having put his hand to the plow. And looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now you remember uh, the story of Moses. Moses goes into Egypt. And there are ten plagues that, are, that, that the Egyptians encounter because of Moses' assignment. Well, the Israelites see these plagues. And as they are delivered from Egypt... And they walk out, they're walking out as conquerors, at least that's how they are arranged according to the scriptures. They look like a conquering army walking out of Egypt. God leads them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God opens the Red Sea. And yet with all of these things, they continuously are looking back saying, oh, when it's rough, Lord, we had it better back in Egypt. Now, in the beginning, if you would have said before the cloud by day and the fire by night, before they saw anything, then, yeah, they might have had a reason to say, you know, is the Lord with us? Has he forgotten us? We're in slavery. Dear God, what's going on? And that was almost to a point that God was like, okay, yeah, there's a reasonable response in regards to that because they are carnal people and they ain't seen nothing. But now, as they begin the journey of faith and they begin seeing the manifestations, they should be developing in their relationship with God. To the point that when they start talking about Egypt after they've seen all of these things, God starts having a problem with them. Because you should be developed at this point. You've seen me do things in your life. 
And why is it that my voice and my presence hasn't been amplified in your life yet? This is an issue of unbelief. This is an issue where Jesus is referring to a person that is walking forth. They've taken, then we're talking about a person that's on step number five, step number six. Now you've had experiences with God, but you're, you're continuously looking back at what you came from, not in order to get faith at how God can take care of you, but to say, I must have had it better over there because you're in a rough patch. Or you're in a patch in your life where it doesn't look like something is happening. God says, well, no, 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 watch this. The person that's continuously looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. The person that hasn't released Egypt from out of their heart to embrace the direction and the vision that God has for them, he says, eventually I'm going to have a problem with you. In the beginning, yeah, I understand. There's going to be a little bit stumble. You know, come on, baby. Come on, you can get through this. Come on, the Lord take care of you in that kind of way. But eventually, God's going to start talking to you a little differently and say, when are you going to start believing me? I've shown you enough stuff that you should not be looking back. But yet, here you are. He says, that person is not fit for the kingdom of God. Well, the word fit there comes from a Greek word, which means well-placed. So the person that's looking back is not well placed for the kingdom of God. It also means uh, appropriate. It, doesn't, it means meat. It, it means lastly, but definitely not least, useful. The person that's looking back is not useful for the kingdom of God. Well, I bet not because they are habitually a double-minded person. God can't trust you. You don't trust God. Well, you ain't much use to God, are you? Because we don't have, watch this, the development of your relationship. And that's exactly the place where a lot of believers are. That God says, you're unfit for the kingdom of God. I can't use you because you refuse to develop in your relationship with me so that you are useful in the kingdom of God. The Passion Translation says, Jesus responded, why do you keep looking back to your past and have second thoughts about following me? And that's what we look like sometimes when God is stretching us and calling us to go forward. When he's stretching us to believe him on a different level. You start looking back and say, oh, Jesus. Oh, what are we going to do? God says, if you continuously do that, instead of looking at what I've already done and the things that are before you, he says, you're not fit for the kingdom. God will never ask you to do something beyond your faith level. And that's something we got to understand. So when God's calling you to a higher level, the risk reward should change. That God's calling, which means he's going to reward my diligence in seeking him. He's going to reward the steps he's going to uphold me. And so therefore, the way I look at it is that the risk begins to minimize because of the relationship. Your vision is a glimpse of who you may be, could be, or will be if you take the steps of faith. This is the reason why we talked about in the beginning of this when God's leading you in a certain direction is always going to require faith. And what he'll do is he'll give you vision. Vision is a glimpse of who you could be. It's a glimpse of who you may be if you follow God's steps, though. It's not guaranteed. Vision is 
therefore interpret it, or it is, it comes to pass in your life by you taking the steps of faith. When God is leading me, uh, it always takes an examination of the risk, but the risk is always determined by my faith level. It's always determined by my faith level. The risk is minimal when I believe God. And if I'm now moving or if I had in my past an area of faith where God was leading me in a direction and I did not stumble, I did not, I walked firmly, but now I'm getting to a place in my life where now when God's leading me, now I'm starting to hesitate. We got to look at that. Oh, that's an indicator. I need to start spending time with God in that particular area, developing so that this doesn't seem like a risk to me because I built my relationship with him, getting his word, spending my time in devotion with him so that it doesn't feel like a risk anymore. It feels like this is something that my God, my heavenly father, my friend and my king is calling me to and he's going to reward my obedience. But everything has to do with your faith level. Where is my faith level? Where is my confidence in regards to God? And this, again, the reason why I spend so much time on this area is because, again, this is where the rubber meets the road in your area of, walk, of walking with God. God says without faith it's impossible to please him, which means I'm going to have to take these steps. And God says at some point in your walk, you're going to have to take these steps and quit looking back at your past, trying to say, oh, no. Now God says, I want you to step confidently. And he says, I want you to step believing me. I took care of you back there. I took care of you 10 years ago. I took care of you five years ago. I took care of you six months ago. He says, if you saw me already do these things, start understanding that I will never leave you and I never will forsake you. And so when I'm telling you to take a step, it's always going to reward you. The risk reward assessment has everything to do with my faith level. Where is my confidence? What do I believe about God and his word? Has it changed? And if it has changed, do I have enough humility to see, ah, oh God, you're showing me that I used to have confidence here. Now I'm starting to worry here. Now I'm starting to move into an area of fear. I got to spend the time with you developing in this area so that my muscle of faith in this area is strengthened. Is it going to take work? Yes, it is. Just like you're building up the natural body, takes work, takes diligence. So is building up this spiritual muscle to believe God in areas where maybe you've let that lack. So let it slip. Developing this confidence has everything to do with you once again spending the time developing that value system so that you indeed, when God's leading me, doesn't feel like a risk because I know my God and he'll take care of me. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus. We honor you and we bless you for this word this morning. Lord, we decide as an act of our will to indeed trust you with all our hearts. To lean confidently, Lord, in you with all our hearts. Lord, you know the path that you're leading us to. You know the steps that you've arranged, Lord, and we trust you. We trust your, our relationship that we have with you, that, that you are our good, good father. That you're leading us to a life of abundance. You're leading us to a life that will fulfill your purposes. And so, Lord, as we reassess this area of risk, 
We thank you, Lord, that you're showing us this area where, yeah, maybe we let something slip. Maybe, 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 God, we've allowed some areas of the world and the way the world operates to get in on the inside of us instead of letting your words speak louder than that. And so, Lord, as an act of our will, we just choose to believe you. We choose to strengthen this relationship that we have with you. To believe your word over what we see. To believe, God, that you will indeed fully take care of us. We thank you, Lord, by faith that you are prearranging every step that we are taking and all is well with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Malachi is given to Malachi. Let's look back over here at the book of Malachi. Chapter 3. And verse number 8 it says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, Wherein have you robbed thee? Where have, where, where, wherein have we robbed thee? He says in tithes and offering. He says, Ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Well, the Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So I'm not concerned about being cursed when I don't give or when I don't tithe. What I'm concerned about is whether or not the blessing of God will operate on my life. He says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that they may be meet in my house and prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out blessing, a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive. So the blessing of God, the windows of heaven being opening up over my life and in my house has everything to do with whether or not I'm bringing the tithe and the offering in obedience to what he's saying. He says, verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer. He says, when the person operates in honor where I'm concerned and brings the tithe and the offering to me, he says, when you put it in my hands, I open up the windows of heaven over your life. Pour you out a blessing which there's not room enough to see. And then he says, I will. I will. God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vines cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. He says, when you bring your tithes and your offering, watch again, when I trust this relationship with you, God says, now I'm authorized in your life to open to you the windows of heaven. Now I'm authorized in your life to rebuke the devourer for your sake. But all of that has to do with your response to me in this relationship to trust me, to take the step. In the beginning, yeah, in the beginning, you might be, Lord Jesus, but as you start taking this step to trust God where your finances are concerned, he says, watch this, everything, the blessing of God's going to operate in your life, and you're going to be able to see this. He says, prove me in this. Prove me in this, will I not rebuke the devourer for your sake? You'll notice that you'll have more when you tithe and when you give versus when you don't. But he says, prove me in this regards. Test this out. See for yourself that being a giver will always be more of a blessing than when you are just simply taking and taking and taking. 
But that is something that you have to prove by placing trust with God. Well, placing trust in God has everything to do with you having the experiences with God. Having the experiences with God has everything to do with you having assurances, which has everything to do with you developing in your conviction in this particular area of your life. All of these things are always interconnected person that doesn't give is it explained to us that they don't have trust in God where their money is concerned and when God shows you that maybe that's something that we got to develop in the word to start seeing yeah okay God you are God of my life you said that you would take care of me you said that I'm supposed to seek you in your kingdom and everything else will be added to me so I'm going to take the step of faith to believe you where my money is concerned and start the journey of making you God in my life and not the money it's always a choice well, if you have your tithe or your offering there are three ways you can give to the training center one way is by way of our PO box number PO box uh, number which is on the screen the second way of course is by uh, way of our website last but definitely not least is by way of our cash app one ttc and of course you can give live in the house at this time we just set ourselves in agreement with all of those that have sown uh, into this ministry i can tell you as pastor i've already seen uh, the gifts and the seeds of, of the people of God even before we got here on Sunday uh, through the cash app and through online and we thank you for your obedience to the spirit of God so we set ourselves together in agreement with you as a corporate body father in the authority of the name of Jesus we thank you Lord that we are titers and we're givers and so therefore we thank you Lord we live on an open heaven in which the blessings of God are pouring out upon us in which there's not room enough to receive. We thank you, Lord, that you are rebuking the devourer for our sakes. We thank you, Lord, that you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, we have full expectation to see manifestation of our needs in take, being taken care of by you because of our heart to give. We thank you for it. I give you praise for it. We declare over every seed, every tithe, every offering that's received the blessing of God for their obedience to you, sir. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.